0: This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival.
1: I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne Carnival. Also via RSN.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. This podcast is also available on all your favorite podcast platforms and at WARFradio.com. Coming up on this week's episode, we're going to catch up with physiotherapist Lawana Williams with all the latest AFLW injury news out of round two. Coach versus coach is back again. It's Lisa Coach Kiwi Raper versus this is Nicole Graves. We also have Jack Hooper to take a look back at AFLW Round 2 fantasy scores, and we'll catch up with the captain of the Darwin Buffettes in the Northern Territory Football League women's competition, Dominique Carbone. But first, the latest women's footy news. And first to the latest women's footy news. Well, you saw round two and how that changed over a matter of days. It went from five games to six games to seven games, including a few games being thrown around. While late on Monday afternoon, they announced what will be round three, cross fingers, for the AFLW this coming weekend. On Friday the 12th of February, it will be the Cats playing host of the Western Bulldogs and Friday Night Football. Saturday afternoon at Blacktown International Sports Park, GWS Giants versus the Gold Coast Sun. And a Saturday twilight game, 5:10 p.m. local time at Moorabbin. It's the Saints versus the Blues. Saturday night football at Casey Fields. We'll see Melbourne play host to the Kangaroos. Three games on the Sunday. We kick off at Norwood Oval with the early game between the Crows and the Dockers. Then at 2:10 p.m. local time at Hickey Park, it's the Brisbane Lions versus Collingwood. And we round things off at 5:10 p.m. at Punt Road Oval. Sunday twilight, Richmond versus the West Coast Eagles to the match review officer. Some charges laid over the weekend. Uh, Carlton's Maddie press Parkers was charged with rough conduct, a dangerous tackle against uh, Kirsty Lamb of the Western Bulldogs. Uh, she can accept a reprimand with an early plea. Ilish Ross was charged with a dangerous tackle, rough conduct against Kate Hall of Melbourne. Again, she can accept a reprimand with an early plea. Sophie Moland of Richmond was charged with striking Sinead Goldrick of Melbourne. She can accept a reprimand with an early plea. Lily Mithon of the Melbourne Demons has been charged with rough conduct, i.e. a dangerous tackle, against Sarah Hosking of the Tigers. She can accept a reprimand with an early plea. And Tani Evans of the GWS Giants has been charged with rough conduct, a dangerous tackle, against Ailish Considine of the Adelaide Crows. Um, that incident saw Ailish have to go off the ground and be go through all the concussion protocols. Uh, she can accept a one-match sanction with an early plea, as of time of recording. To the NAB AFLW Rising Stars for round two. For the Melbourne Football Club, it's Tyler Hanks and for the Western Bulldogs, Jess Fitzgerald. Later on, Jack Cooper will go through with us to see how they rated in AFLW fantasy points. And out west, a little bit of information hidden in a media release. Um, the West Australian Football League women's competition which was expected to kick off in uh, February, we we're expecting at the end of February will actually start in a week and a half time on the weekend of the 19th and 20th of February for the WAFL Competition. Uh, the reason to the change to the earliest start is that it will line up with the AFLW Under 19's National Championships, which has been brought forward to the April school holidays, and that the AFLW Combined and AFLW Draft are now being held in late July as opposed to October, as we've seen in previous years. And that's your latest women's footy news.
0: The Lowdown with Luana Williams.
1: And it's time for The Lowdown with Lawana Williams, an AFLW injury debrief with Luana Williams from the Australian Physiotherapy Association. She is our expert when it comes to the AFLW. How are you, Loana? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me again. Great to have you back for another week. Now, as we ended the show last week, we said, well, hopefully we don't have too much to talk about next week. In fact, we do. There were a number of incidents across the weekend in round two.
2: Yes, you know, I've spoken a bit too early then. Yes, we've got a number of injuries to get through. To um, that happened over the weekend for sure.
1: Let's start off by the Friday night game. Um, uh, the first injury to come out of that was with Bailey Hunt from the uh, Western Bulldogs, a left calf injury.
0: Yeah, so
2: that um, thinking was probably going to be a calf strain. Um, the calf is a muscle, so it wasn't specifically outlined. But uh, generally speaking, when you've got an injury to the muscle, it it tends to be a strain, and that's really basically what happens is the fibres have become torn or damaged just due to the increased load or pressure that goes through the muscles. So there are a couple of muscles within the body where they are more susceptible to this type of injury. The calf is one of them. And in Aussie Rules, it's particularly so really more just because of the amount of running and jumping that the sport involves. Um, yeah, so I guess when we're talking about how the – What might cause the muscle injury or why players might be a little bit more susceptible? Um, The calf is responsible for sort of pushing the foot off when we run and also pushing your body off the ground when you're jumping. So, AFL players have to do quite a lot of running high speeds. They have to do a lot of running from um, start to like from stop to start. So, they have to generate that speed really, really quickly. And there is also quite a lot of jumping. So, all these things combining really just results in um, the calf being quite overloaded during the game.
1: So let's talk about the process of her getting back and what time frame we could be looking at for Bailey Hunt getting back out there on the field. When some think of calf, they think, oh, it can't be too bad, can't it? You know, just stretch it out and it'll come good. What actually has to be done with the calf to get it back up to scratch?
2: Well, in some cases, it might just be a case of stretch it out and you might be good again. Um, but that's not always the case. It really does depend on how much damage has been done. So, over the next couple, over the next coming week, uh, the medical team will be looking at how much damage really has been done to the calf. So, in the assessments, I'll be looking at how much pain there is and that does, does that come with walking? Does that come with running? Does it come with jumping? Generally speaking, if you tend to find that you, um, you don't tend to get pain until some of the, the harder activities like running or jumping, then the, the strain tends to be a little bit, uh, better than perhaps if you're having pain when you're walking. And then also having a look at, um, things like the strength as well. So the muscle has been torn. So the, it's not going to be as strong as what it normally would be. So they'll have to, the medical team will be looking at, um, strengthening the muscle and making sure that it's just able to work at an optimal level to be able to get back and play. Um, but, yeah, until we know really how bad that strain is, it's a little bit hard to say exactly how long um, she'll be out for with this injury.
1: Let's go to our next on the injury debrief, and that's uh, Crystal Petrevsky who played for Melbourne in that game against the Tigers at uh, Punt Road Oval. Uh, For her, it's an injury that a lot of people hate, and I'm not talking about an ACL. I'm talking about the old hamstring. You're just in a swinging motion when you're kicking, or you're just running along, and then you hear the twang of the hamstring. Uh, Um, What we'll be looking at here?
0: Yeah, so this is
2: um, another strained muscle, and again, the hamstring is another one of these uh, muscles that are really quite prone to becoming strained and injured. And you, you mentioned it just before. That's because, really, of the kicking, the amount of kicking that has to be done within the sport. So the hamstring runs across two joints. It comes, um, across the hip joint and across the knee joint. And it has two jobs. One is to bend the knee, but the other is actually to control the knee straightening and stop it from moving too fast. And that would be in instances where your quads, the muscle at the front of your leg are actually straightening the leg at quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of force and quite a lot of speed, which is what kicking is. So between that and running is, again, another muscle heavily involved in running where AFL players are having to, um, they're not just running, they're also running and leaning forward. So the muscle is quite a lot of the time put on a lot of stretch, but at the same time trying to contract. So that is why they tend to be, uh, we see quite a lot of hamstring injuries in AFL.
1: And can you explain about um, the time coming back? I mean, we've, we've seen over the, the period of even with AFL men's football, some hamstrings where they go, oh, that guy will be a month, it'll be back. And then yep. we hear of players such as when Nathan Buckley was running around and, and the lengths they had to go to with the various different surgeries to get back out there on the park.
2: Yeah, so I guess when, when we talk about players getting back, to being able to play again, you're looking at two things. One is that are you able to physically do the movements that are required for the sport? So in relation to Aussie Reels, are you able to run and are you able to able to kick? But in addition to that, you also want to make sure that that is not going to get injured again. So yeah, you might be able to play a game of, um, you know, play a full game of footy and you might be able to kick the ball around, but are you going to keep re-injuring the, keep damaging the injury that you already have? And I think this might be one of the reasons why hamstrings are just, they tend to take a little bit longer uh, than some of the other injuries to um, sort of get back to 100% fit and possibly um, I would imagine that they spend a lot more time focusing on trying to get them um, 100% fit as well because you don't want to have um, a situation where you're constantly just causing these micro tears to the muscle. You'd want to try and have that muscle pretty much back to its, um, it's tip-top condition um, just because of the amount of strain that the muscle has to go through while playing.
1: Let's go to the game between St Kilda and the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos at Arden Street Oval. Coming out of that game, Bianca ja- pardon me, Bianca Jacobson uh, with a corked back. Now, the first thing I, I think of straight away, of course, we know that she was away with the collarbone injury, and that saw her a late start to her season. When you look at that with the collarbone to the cork back, is there any chance at all that they can be linked that one injury can kind of help exacerbate another injury or is that just pure luck? It's a, it's a, it's a knock in the back, nothing related at all and she'll be fine.
0: Yeah. I
2: wouldn't have thought it would have much to do with the collarbone unless the cork of the back is, is quite high up. So I didn't um, happen to see the chance. I'm not, I didn't get to see the hit, but I would imagine that it's probably down more in your trunk and lower back area. So the collarbone is a sort of up it's um, up and in, in and around your neck. And if you're having real, if the collarbone was to cause any major issues, it probably would be something more around your neck and your shoulder. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm assuming, I could be wrong though, I'm assuming that the cork is probably down around her back. So um, lower back area. So I, I'd be thinking uh, going forward with this injury and I mentioned corks um, last week with the, the corked calf. It's probably a case of, how much discomfort and pain she would be in when she's trying to do, uh, trying to play, um, play football. So um, the back is responsible. The muscles in the back are primarily responsible for things like bending, twisting and stabilising the body. So depending on how bad it might be, um, waiting for that to settle down and just making sure she's comfortable and able to play again is what I, I'd be looking at.
1: Yeah, she's had a pretty uh, rough start to the year, Bianca Jacobson, uh, but let's hope that uh, it's not too bad or if uh, if there is a bit of problems, at least it's just a week and then uh, back into the action because she is uh, certainly one of the uh, star uh, defenders of the uh, AFLW competition. Let's go across to the West Coast Eagles where it's a bit of an injury ward over there at the moment. Um, Three injuries from the game and one we'll talk about a little bit later on. uh, An injury uh, not involved in the game at all, involved in the home, but obviously will have an effect on that player's season. Let's begin with what happened on the field in that game against uh, Fremantle in very wet conditions. A couple of, uh, I guess you'd say, hand injuries in there, Andrea Gilmore with a hand. I think it was a laceration to the hand, and Neve Kelly of West Coast uh, with a look what appears to be a finger injury, possibly a, a, a broken finger. We're waiting upon more information with that. Um, we're coming to you for advice, not to Daniel Harford, who suggested when it comes to a laceration that someone might have been bitten. I, I guess he's saying that very much tongue in cheek. <laughs>
2: yes, um, uh, West Coast, officially they are, and um, unfortunately they have had quite a lot of injuries a lot of players out currently which is not great for them so the hand and the finger or oh, the hand complex i suppose which includes the fingers um it is the the anatomy of that is quite complex so injuries could be to uh tendons they could be to ligaments um they could be a joint injury particularly with the finger Um, things like dislocations can occur and then fractures which um, are fracturing of the bone and it's also possible um, to have a combination of some of an injury to some of those structures as well so if you were to have a dislocation it's um, I would suspect that you of the finger I would suspect that the ligaments around the joint that's dislocated are probably going to be damaged as well so really in the coming week I think what it will be would be establishing first of all what structures are injured and how badly they might be injured is does any further treatment need to be done is it something that can be managed conservatively just say with things like splints and and exercises and or is it going to need to be um some more uh like is surgery needed or something along those lines i certainly hope for their case that's not that's not what's needed um so yeah they'll just have to find out exactly what's going on and then um Develop a treatment plan around
1: that. And let me ask you: if it comes down to something, and I say in in inverted commas, as simple as a dislocated finger, because Jade Van Dyke of the Saints had this similar problem on the weekend, where she dislocated her finger during the warm up and it had to be put back into place before she ran out there. Is it as simple as thing with a dislocated finger of you pop that in the place, it's fine, or does some work need to be done on that during the week? Yeah,
2: work will probably need to be done on that during the week, Um, and. But it, 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 I guess it depends on what, um, uh, what movement she's having trouble moving with, um, the finger. So dislocation would almost definitely result in some sort of swelling and there's probably also going to be some level of sort of lack of stabilization. So there might just some work around, um, maybe, I and mean, then, you know, it could be something just like taping the finger or getting a splint on it or something along those lines just to support it. But um, it would be, like I was saying before, it would be sort of working on um, a treatment plan that is going to assist in making sure that that injury doesn't keep causing problems going forward.
1: Continuing the on-field woes for the uh, West Coast Eagles, uh, Paris Laurie, uh, corked leg is the official uh, injury report for her. Now, she was assessed on the field, she went back on. Coach Daniel Pratt said, well, I'd rather you just stay down the forward line, and that's because he was essentially running out of soldiers on the bench. So the idea was she'd be just a resting forward. In fact, later on, she'd find herself back in the ruck again, uh, much to the chagrin of uh, Daniel Pratt. But she played out the game. Um, What's the work on the cork leg as we go through this week? And um, is there any risk when you have a cork leg and you go on the ground of doing further damage to it by just running around and being in a physical ruck contest?
2: Yeah, I guess. Possibly any time you've got some sort of uh, damage to a structure, there is a potential that by continuing to run, you could just further damage that structure. So there is um, potential risk that that would happen. The body is relatively good at sending you a pretty good uh, sign to say, I'm not happy with this, please stop. So the fact that um, Perhaps was able to keep playing, I think suggests that um, at least in, in her mind, the injury perhaps um, wasn't that serious. It certainly didn't look right when you watch it live. Um, But, yeah, to have a a cork leg or a knock to the leg is probably a a far better outcome than any uh, serious knee injury or damage. So I really hope for her sake and the club's sake that it is something that will hopefully have a quick turnaround.
1: And the final injury for the West Coast Eagles didn't happen on the field, but it happened to their star footballer, Dana Hooker, at home. An accident in the kitchen with a knife... And it ended up lacerating one of the tendons in her foot. In fact, it's a bit weird. Like when I saw um, a photo of her with the, I guess you called the moon boot on, um, it looked like a cut or stitches going up to almost underneath her knee. So I'm not exactly sure how deep or or where the cuts were due, due to this accident. But let's focus on what has been reported. It's in the foot what are we talking about in the terms of rehab? Because we've obviously got that surgery has got to happen because of the tendons stitches have got to be in there. Then obviously the stitches have got to be taken out. And then there's, I guess time for trying to a put pressure on your foot and walk again, and then b the actual contact of ball on foot.
2: Yes, there there is a lot to do um, with the rehab for this, isn't there? Um, so yeah, first of all, we will be just allowing the foot to and tendon to actually recover from the surgery itself, and that's why she'd be in the moon boot just to, to take some pressure off and allow that to really heal. And then after, and then you're right. After that, it will be about getting uh, the muscle with the um, the tendon. So the tendon is. Um, it's detachment attachment point between the muscle and the bone. So at the end of every muscle there is a tendon and that's um, how um, muscles can attach to a bone. So if you have an injury to a tendon, you, you also essentially have an injury to your muscle because then that muscle is not going to be working as well as it possibly should be. And um, and might be also, if there's too much pulling it. it might not want to pull, um, might not want to contract as strongly as it normally would. So then there would be some sort of rehab around getting strength back into that muscle Um, around the foot you know walking and then just I guess the foot is it's such an important part of our body and you know so much running and and jumping and all those sorts of things in AFL there's quite a lot of rehab I would imagine around getting the strength back into that part of the body and then yeah and getting into the contact as well Um, I guess um, anytime you have some sort of injury just having it hit again is um, could be quite painful.
1: We must be thinking it must be one heck of a deep cut because you're thinking this is yeah. no simple paper cut of, okay, put a bandage on it, you'll be fine. Uh, to, to be wiped out for the season, which means at a minimum would have been another seven home and away games which were due to be played, plus three finals. So this is something we're talking about that is three months at least. Mm,
2: yeah, and I guess um, to me, like because I guess after a she did have surgery, so I suppose three months because when you're incorporating the rehab from the actual surgery itself, um, sorry, the recovery from the actual surgery itself, and then you move into the rehab of the injury or the the post-hab or what you'd have to do once um, the moon boots allowed to come off and she can start doing sort of weight-bearing activities. And three months doesn't really, that probably sounds, um, that doesn't sound shocking to me, but maybe that's because um, (laughs) I've worked worked, um, in these sort of areas before.
1: The lesson for this week, be safe in the kitchen. (laughs) Yes. Well, Luana, thanks very much for joining us for your lowdown of uh, the AFLW injuries for round two. We look forward to your company next week and let's hope it's not as big as a hospital ward next week.
2: Yes, my fingers are crossed. Thank you so much for having me again.
1: Still to come on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival. We've got up next coach versus coach. Lisa Coach Kiwi-Raper versus Nicole Graves in the AFLW tipping competition. Later on, we've got Jack Hooper from the AFLW Fantasy League game from sheplays.com.au. And as well, still to come, we've got Dominic Carbone, the captain of the Darwin Barfettes in the NTFL Women's Premier League.
0: Been playing for a while Sweet Kicks Cause footy makes you smile
1: Sweet Kicks football If you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks football Not always hearing
0: that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au. Gotta go the extra mile. Sweet Kicks football. Two women's footy legends go head-to-head in Coach vs. Coach.
1: And it's time now for Coach vs. Coach, where Lisa Coach Kiwi Roper, assistant coach at Collingwood in the VFLW and the Sandringham Dragons in the NAB League, takes on Another legend of women's football, Nicole Graves, current coach of Koolingada in the QAFLW competition. Coach Kiwi and Gracie, how are you both?
0: I'm fine sitting up here so high on top of the podium.
3: Yeah, and I've got crickets down here. Emotional connection to the game is, is waning week by week. But I have faith. It has been a tough round for me.
1: But, I throw a big butt in there. Kiwi tougher. could be further ahead but shot herself in the foot. Now we need to tell everyone what happened. Obviously a few things changed <laughs> for round number two. We covered off a few of the tips including the crow, uh, scenario of the Crows taking on the Giants and of course the Dockers taking on uh, the Eagles. But we had some game changes including uh, Collingwood would end up playing the Cats and then also the Suns would end up playing the Lions. Therefore we got our Legends to send us a uh, message via Facebook Messenger with their tips. But there was a controversial one in there. Remember, Coach Kiwi on our program last week originally went the dogs by seven. But as evidence for all, she sent a message after the redraw to say, no, I'm changing my Friday night tip. Carlton by 18. Crazy also picked Carlton by 12. That was the opening round, uh, a game of the round, Coach Kiwi, can you explain your actions first? You could have had an easy win over Gravesy. Instead, you both take the loss. And in the end, you would have been a point off the margin as well.
0: Yeah, look, there's no fun in easy wins. Um, I like to make the game a bit challenging. Uh, No, but the big news was that Bulldogs dropped four, I thought, really key players. And um, so I thought they just contributed so much in experience and potential to the lineup, and I thought that they would increase their hunger after having, um, that close loss last week. So, um, so I, you know, probably gave more credit to Carlton's hunger and desperation to get their first win. And instead, the four girls that came in for Bulldogs just absolutely stood tall. And, um, hats off to Nathan Burke making the big call and, um, and the girls believing in him and having faith. And, um, the girls that played on the night did the job.
1: And for Gravesy, as Brian Barish pointed out, where he does his Barish Method ladder, which awards wins for the point and, funny uh, points for the win, and also points for quarters one. He says it's the first occasion ever where a team, this being Carlton, won three out of four quarters and lost the game.
3: <laughs> That's how we roll. That's how we roll. Uh, listen, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was. I don't know. I don't know, I reckon I'm with half there, it was, it was pretty awful. But in saying that, you know, it was funny the dominance in first halves this weekend versus second half, um, apart from one of the games which was just dominance. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Ellie Blackburn, it's so – she is such – becoming such an impressive leader. Not that people that know her don't already understand that, but, you know, it, you know her um, press conference after the – after the well I should say her, her um match post match interview was just it just showed the sheer passion and excitement that she's got within this group, and I think you know that sort of stuff's really contagious. so you know ellie Blackburn, she's just becoming such a a brilliant leader, and I think that leadership is also showing you know, her never-say-die attitude on the field. So it was, you know, it was, that was really, really good to watch. Um And it was a tough thing. I, you know, the highlight for Carlton, um, you know, DV's mark in the centre of the ground, um, so Darcy Vesio, that is, uh, was just a ripping mark. And I was just, we were hanging for the replay uh, here at home while we were all watching. And, yeah, we sort of didn't get it, and we had to go on the socials to watch it back. So... So, yeah, and Darcy's, yeah, work rate right around the ground has really, you know, really been excellent. Um, you know, Jess Fitzgerald, what a little rising star she she's become and, and you know, fantastic. Uh, you know, the low light was probably, you know, those, if you think about the last three kicks, you know, probably of the game almost, you know, three of the most elite kickers in the game that you'd probably put your house on when you were doing it. So, you know, Maddie P and Georgia G and, and, you know, Big G Train, you know, all missing was, you know, you'd think oh, Carlton would run away with it. So that was probably you know, disappointing, I guess, for the individuals. But, you know, you'd, as I said, you'd really back those guys. You know, the Blues, geez, it's hard. We're lucky we're not on the old conference system where, you know, if you lose the first two, you're, you know, pushing the barrow up the hill. But, um, you know, Blues have still got McAvoy, Laloifi, Brooke Walker, Gab Pound to come in. So there is, you know, given the different structure of the season, there is still hope. But, gee whiz, they certainly making their life a little a little difficult uh, the baggers, but in, you know the Bulldogs were fantastic and, and led by Ellie Blackburn. I was I was really impressed the way that they way that they played and you know and they and they ultimately deserved the win. You, you've got to fight four quarters out and they, they fought to the very end, so that was you know fantastic. Although Carlton did too, as that was probably just mislaid kicks that sort of let them down in the end. So yeah, so that's probably my snapshot of that game. I'm trying to be class half full.
1: Let's have a look at the second game. That was uh, the rescheduled match, which saw the Pies take on Geelong. Uh, you both, in a message to me on Facebook, tipped the Pies to win by 36 points. So you're both correct. And you're both uh, just five points off the end margin. It was, pardon me, seven points off the end margin. 29-point victory to Collingwood over Geelong. And, Gracie, I'll start with you this time around. And there was a little few nervous moments there early on in the game where the Cats were actually taking up to the Pies.
3: Yeah, as I said, it was interesting. A lot of the games are very much like that, you know. They re- and it just shows some me, ex- yeah, me, experience. Um, so they really come out hard, and I reckon Thebes. You know, if there was a third umpire, I reckon Thebes might have got an extra couple of goals there. I, in my expert opinion, I thought both of those little taps that she had went through. So, and that certainly makes a difference to the momentum of the game when those things happened. Getting a couple more goals in front, so. You know, so I think you know much improved Geelong, which is really nice to see. Um, you know, and and really ultimately, there's only one breed, Davy. I mean, she was just brilliant, wasn't she? The power and the versatility, 25 disposals, couple goals. You know, and she uh, just she just brings such uh, you know more depth and really supports you know the. Um, you know, Chloe uh, and the rest of them there that have, you know, just been working really hard, but she just becomes that little cherry on the top. And I have to give a shout out to, uh, well, she's not as young Western Australian as she was, you know, Ruby really Schleicher. Like I thought from the back half, she's really, you know, coming of age, bit of interrupted pre uh, season in 2020, but I think we spoke a bit about her last week, but I thought she was instrumental coming off half back. And um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was nice to see, but, uh, you know, just, it shows the attack and surge forward of these teams that are still developing really has some, um, yeah, has some, I guess, some output for some of these teams. So you, you saw some different game styles there. But, yeah, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a really good game. I and mean, the the scoreline probably didn't sort of show, and as I said, cream rises to the top, and I guess, you know, those better teams in those second halves, um, particularly this round, really you know, sort of showed their dominance.
1: Absolutely. And if, That's me. That's me. And if people go across to the uh, She Plays AFLW Fantasy podcast, you'll hear us praising about Ruby Schleischer and you'll be able to get the inside word on how much she's actually worth in the AFLW Fantasy game. She is a bargain for the points that she's picking up. Meanwhile, for Coach Cooey, obviously you're in that Collingwood system being a VFLW assistant coach. Are you selling memberships to the Brie Davey Fan Club?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Brie, well... Davy is my vice captain in the in the she plays fantasies um, only because of Erin Phillips really, but um, I can share that Ruby Schleicher scored 199 points this week, which um, she just backed up what she did last week. I think she's having a, you know she started the season with a hiss and a roar, and um, you know she's just got a great run and carry, and is looking fit and strong, and it's um, and happy. She looks like she's really enjoying her football, which is great to see. Um, and, yeah, Brie Davies, well, what can you say? What, what an absolute incredible leader. But just her work rate around the field, um, you know, and it doesn't really matter who they put on her. She's just able to um, break through and and just distribute the ball to the forwards. I think they get a really good feed from the midfield that Collingwood have. Um, it was good to see Sarah Rowe, her first game back for the season um, after a couple of injuries and a bit of a hiccup since um, she was in quarantine. So um, she got a good goal early in the game and Joanna Lynn um, making her debut who uh, we had a practice match in the morning on Saturday is um, how funny this is right she was kitted up all ready to walk on the field for our practice game and warm up and um, then got pulled in and told the news hey um, you can't play with us you've got a game this afternoon so um, so really exciting for her to then go into uh oh, pause this morning pre match mode and it's still out by a few hours. But she had a really good game, I thought, for a youngster um, fresh into AFLW. Uh, showed some really good speed for her size too. Um but yeah, Long, I thought they had a really good start and um I think I think they caught the pies out in a in a way. I think um probably after last week the pies thought that it was gonna be a bit of a comfortable game. And um, Geelong just really battled. And it was good to see Phoebe up the field, Phoebe Williams up the field a lot more. So she got a lot more possessions and um, was able to, you know, she's got a great long kick. So she's able to turn that ball around and feed it um, deep into the 50 for her forwards. But they just aren't converting on the scoreboard, is probably their biggest challenge. And uh, I think it's been going on for a few weeks now. So it's something um, Hoodie's going to need to address pretty quickly for them to stay in touch.
1: The third game of the round was Melbourne versus Richmond down at uh, windblown Casey Fields. Both of you tipped Melbourne by 24 points, and you were both very close to the margin in the end, a 28-point victory to the Demons. Coach Kiwi. Yeah,
0: look, another solid performance by some of those Darwin players. Um, ah, know, fine. <laughs> had to get it in. Everybody uh, drink. Lauren Pearce in the rocks. <laughs> Lauren <laughs> okay. Pearce in the rocks is just... I just think a phenomenal rock. You know, she's so versatile around the field and and just creates a lot. She can get goals. She'll come and she'll win the tap outs. Um, she's pretty good around, you know, the ball below her knees as well, which is, you know, one of the hardest areas for a rock. But, you know, working with the likes of Karen Paxman and even Lily Milton, who had a season at Darabin, so we will claim her. But, um, you know, I think just solid. It's going to be hard for, um, you know, a challenging Midfield to break through. I think they've been like that for a few years, but good to see them own the grass out there at Casey. I think it was the only game that wasn't sold out for the round. Um, so, um, But they did have some faithful fans out there waving the rainbow flag. So good on them for travelling 300 miles to cheer on their team.
1: And Gravesy say <laughs> thanks to Tyler Hanks. Finally, she's been called a NAB AFLW Rising Star nominee. I just kept seeing it on Twitter. Anyone that's played with Melbourne or previously played for Melbourne saying, thank goodness this young girl has finally got her due recognition.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, and Hanksy was, you know, such a, a, you know, a dominant player. I mean, her and, you know, certainly being at Carlton when those two were the, you know, were the top draft picks. And obviously Hanksy was playing VFL for Carlton. So it was a really tough decision because you you know they're just little, you know, they're little bookends. You know they're they're, they're the little one sixty centimetre just trump, and their abilities, you know, are, their skills are just so. You know it's real. It was really touch and go with those guys. So I'm so pleased for Hanksy getting that and getting her justice and and unfortunately in her first season. You know, she was had some injuries and and sort of came into the AFL, yeah, first AFLW season with some injuries, so that sort of just set her back a little bit. And you know, and then obviously, you know, the rise of, of the little P was a little bit different to that. So you know, it was awesome to see um, to see um, Tile Hanks get that. So it's you know fantastic. And Melbourne, I tell you what, well, I thought it might take them a few weeks for the young players to get into this, but they are absolutely firing, aren't they? and I think the big turning point was probably also one of the you know apart from yeah you know, just you know Paxi the Moulet and and Daisy's leadership is they're just getting a bit more consistency up forward I think you know Zanka supporting Cunningham was a real highlight on the weekend and certainly the week before against the Suns you know was good I mean, you know, again Richmond you know they're showing some signs that they're just not firing their champs just aren't firing they're big names and you know, and and obviously um, Melbourne's ability to shut down Montconti was a was a massive um, you know win for the uh, for the D's. So that was excellent. I have to give a little shout out to Maddie Brancatisano with with eleven possessions her first game for uh, 2021. So that was really pleasing. You know, it was just a little side bit to um to the young players that I've had a little bit to do with. So, you know, it's it's really good to see those top kids and we talk about the um you know, the Northern Knights factor probably of this season and so many young draft picks out of that uh Nab Cup um, you know, uh team over the last two years. You're really seeing probably, you know, five or six of the top ten players are all coming from that team. So, you know, kudos to the Knights program. But, um, you know, a couple more of the Knights uh, kids uh, debuted this week. So, you know, it was you know, Lisa Bannon, Bannon, who's just a ripping um, player, but she's just a ripping young person too. So it's so pleasing to see, you know, they, those young kids um, really fire up. And they, as I said, we talk about, you know, this is the first, you know, one of the first years where these kids have, have played footy, or you know, the top draftees have played footy without those barriers that we've all faced over the years so they're really showing their class and yeah it's, it's really pleasing so again you know Richmond just need to get it's not their kids letting them down it's kind of i will oh, probably get burnt for this but it's probably more their senior players letting them, letting them down and Mon Conti just has to and she obviously shook that that hard tag off you know um, by the end of the game, but they they really have to fire and and show show some leadership to get their you know their kids up and about.
1: Let's go to a Sunday game at Arden Street Oval, North Melbourne versus the St Kilda Saints, and the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos won by twenty six points in the end. Both you tipped North Melbourne to win, Gracie by fourteen points, Kiwi by twelve points, and dare I say, the margin almost felt like. Your tips were closer to the truth. Twenty six points doesn't quite seem to be reflective, uh, Gravesy, of the tussle that was on Sunday afternoon at Arden Street.
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that, as I said, there was there was certainly some games where you thought, ooh, hang on a minute." Um, so yeah, so that was you know um that you know the north defensive unit god love them they've, they're just firing and you know they've still you know they haven't even got Britt gibson out there who's just you know an absolute monster out there so you know kudos to those guys i you know i, I re- you know the exxon v carney um match up was really fun for me to watch so i really i really enjoyed that So i like those little matchups i like a little bit of you know come again there was a few giggles amongst them but there was plenty of tussles so you know that was fun to watch um it really, it took, you know, it took North until the, the final quarter to really sort of get the Saints off their back. So, and we spoke, I think, last week about, you know, this game really, um, you know, seeing where Saints were at and it shows that Saints, are yeah they're up and about and they're around about that time and, you know... It, Again, North full of superstars, but Saints they held on, so they've, they've you know they stick it and they've few a few more um, you know quarters in the AFLW. These girls are going to be you know be flying, so that was um, you know it was it was really important and probably the difference between the two teams was the efficiency inside their forward fifty. So you know St Kilda, you know where we saw round one, were just on fire. You know they had twenty two percent kicking efficiency in in uh, in their forward fifty to to North fifty two percent. So that's a massive difference, you know. And and you know St Kilda had six um, shots from you know out of twenty seven inside fifties, and North had thirteen shots from twenty five inside fifties. So St Kilda actually got it in there more. But just weren't efficient in front of goal, so that really shows that, you know, the game was really won and lost in that, you know, in that kicking ability in front of the, in front of the big stick. So, you know, it really, yeah, you know, could mean that you know maybe St Kilda need to get it deeper to get better shots at it. But um, yeah, so it was really quite interesting. And North, obviously. Um, Their stoppage clearances were, you know, plus 10 with North. So that makes a little bit of a difference. But as I said, I think, you know, it was possibly lost by Saints in front of goal, which is unusual because, you know, the G train is flying. But, um, yeah, so it was a really interesting game around those stats. And when you look at, you know, sometimes I watch games and I go, well, where did they really lose it? And so some of those stats you sort of look at and go, yeah, that kind of makes sense. So, yeah, but again, that was a really good game and I think, you know, it's keep it. you know, last week, you know, I was inspired. Some of the games weren't quite as inspiring this week, but you can see where it's going. You can also see that those, some of those top teams haven't played um, some of their, I guess, some of their rivals and the teams that have probably been around the system a bit, you know, a bit longer. So they've played a lot of the newer teams. So, you know, I wouldn't get disappointed if you're sitting sort of towards the bottom of the ladder at the moment. But, um, you know, by round four, we're really going to get a bit of an idea of where all these teams are sitting, I think.
1: Well, Coach Kiwi, like Gravesy, you've been involved in uh, development of women's football. If you're in Peter Searle's shoes at the moment, off the back of that loss to the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos, do you put it down to, oh, uh, well, second season, it's all part of development or do you go, well, no, this is the second season. We've got to pull our finger out. Games like this, where we had North Melbourne within our grasps, we really needed to finish the job.
0: Um, absolutely the second. Um, I think they were in the game, and they certainly got enough possessions um, throughout and travelled up the field. And they've got some really good ball carriers, and, you know, patrickios and McCarthy. They just... As Gravesy said it's just getting that ball inside fifty they weren't marking it, and that's their biggest problem is if you, you're not going to get those easy shots on the ball board if you can't mark it in there and um, the likes of Kate Sheler the number of times she ran out with some really good quality leads they just didn't put the ball in her hands um, you know sometimes it was her against four opponents, and um, you know they put up a fifty fifty ball and you know, that's one that's of your tall defenders, so key forwards. You want to look after them a bit. And um, they probably aimed more for her than they were um, Caitlin Greiser, which I'm not too sure what the tactics are in that regard. So maybe they want to use Caitlin a bit deeper and closer to the goal. Um, but, yeah, certainly that ball coming up the field, they had enough of it. They had many chances to bring it up and get some scores on the ball, but they just didn't. And uh, as soon as those turnovers happen, North is probably the best team in the comm with that transition. The quick transition, they're able to change lane so cleanly and move the ball to the other end and um, and then get the big score. And, um, yeah, so I think for Peter Searle, that's really what she needs to go and look back at is, is where and how they're distributing that ball into their forward 50.
1: At Hickey Park, it was the Brisbane Lions versus the Gold Coast Suns. Both of you sent via Facebook Messenger to me your tips. In the end, the Brisbane Lions won by 63 points. Kiwi tipped the Lions, which was correct, by seven points. A little bit off there. Gravesy (laughs) tipped Gold Coast to win by two points. You're almost right. You just need to tip Gold Coast to only kick two points. (laughs) Gravesy. Oh, this is
3: when you put the crickets sound in, Pete. Wow. God, it's it's tough. And as I said, one word, disappointing. It was just heartbreaking. And I I drove up to Brisbane. You know, I got a ticket because obviously the game was actually sold out before the game was even released because, of course, they they honoured all the tickets from the... From the um, Brisbane game, the week, you know, obviously the previous Brisbane game that was, I can't remember who was coming up here. Geelong,
1: Geelong, we're so, going to travel up.
3: Oh, Geelong, yeah. So so it was like, no, yeah, it's like I'm watching it on the couch. Obviously, uh, one of my little mates um, shot me a ticket. And so, yeah, I drove up there and, and uh, yeah, got to the ground. And <clears throat> trust me, if I wasn't with uh, one of the players' fathers, I may have been home at half time. I won't say that out loud. Maybe I won't share this podcast this week. But yeah, listen, it was just disappointing, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> well, disappointing, <laughs> just well, disappointing for the you know crowd. If you're a Lions supporter, you, you know, rah rah, they're up and about. Don't worry about that. And and um, you know, but it, it was they were just dominant, weren't they? I mean, Jesse Wardle and D- Dakota Davison, you know, four goals each. The L2K was flying. Oh, that's the nickname of Jesse Wardle, born in. 2000, um, which is sad to say, I'm a person of our age, Kiwi. Um, so, yeah, so, <laughs> that, I mean, four goals apiece, they were dominant, and honestly, it didn't even look like the Suns were, were actually um, even going to, you know, get back. Nat Grinder and, uh, you know, Ellie Anderson, you know, 20 possessions each. Sophie Conway just controlled her whole side of the field. She's such an elite ball user, and... And a really good thinker. She reminds me of a young Daisy Pearce when Daisy rocked into that team that we shall not mention, um, you know, as a 16-year-old. And you just sort of go straight away, geez, these, these kids can play. So she was fantastic. And, you know, um, and even when, you know, if you talk about the Suns' day, Bell doors gets it out of the midfield, kicks it 40 metres the wrong way, and Suns still can't get a score. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of day you're having when that happens. And, you know, uh, yeah, the Lions and their game plan, we talked about Melbourne and Lions being quite similar with the way that they spread and they really look for that uncontested possession. You know, the Lions had 50, well, actually 48, but, I know, 58. So nearly 60 more uncontested possessions than the Suns. And yet the Suns won, were plus five in their in clearances. So... Just shows the spread and the ability to turn the footy over. So, yeah, it's a little bit back to the drawing board, I reckon. So, the sun's a bit. And as I said, you know, I'm hoping that it's an anomaly because it's going to be really hard to speak to anyone in my life if this continues. But, um, yeah, so I mean, but you've got to praise Lions. They were fantastic. And,. Um, and as I said, I'm, I'm glad my son's hat is green, and not pe- many people noticed because it was a pretty tough day, and plenty of people gave me grief on the way out the ground. But I'm okay. I'm okay with that. You know, I, I've got great uh, friends and mates on on the, on the uh, Lions side, and, and really, we're lovers of footy. So for me, it doesn't really matter the score. But I guess the game was just disappointing. It was disappointing for, for footy lovers that you know just saw last week's game and go, "Yep, we're on. We're on here. We've got some things to work on," but we. You know, the Suns just got dominated. So, yeah, so that was uh, my snapshot of the game, and uh, we shall not speak of that game ever again.
1: The only other winners out of the game were Richmond, as now Gold Coast have the lowest ever score in the AFLW, with two behinds, the previous record by Richmond, three behinds last year against the Saints. (laughs) Now, Coach Kiwi, for your look back at that game, dare I say a lot of people in the Victorian football media have again been sleeping on the Brisbane Lions. Remember, they have played in two of the four AFLW Grand Finals. And what they did to the Suns after they took care of business against Richmond, they're doing it again. They're flying under the radar.
0: Hey, yeah, look, I'm from Sydney and um, we never get any media with um or barely anything for Elise Parker. So I can understand uh, no media down here for Brisbane Lions. But, you know, I'm sure it's something they'll be happy with. I really like the way Stark goes about organising his team. And, um, you know, and he's worked with a lot of those girls through juniors. So he knows them pretty well. I really thought Suns would put up a better fight. Probably is, is all I can say about that. Um, and I actually, with some friends, we were we were cheering the Suns on to get a goal. Like you just you just felt for them. I don't think the scoreboard perhaps reflects the talent they've got in that team. They just had an off game, and unfortunately, in nine with nine round competition, you can't have games that off. <laughs> you know, um, you get punished if you have an off quarter. So uh, yeah, disappointing that they picked up the, the world record for the lowest score. But um, yeah. yeah, hopefully they can regroup and the
3: world record, harsh.
0: Yeah, it's the world record. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, but lines are clean. <laughs> Those forwards, um, you like to see goals as well. And um, boy, Wardlaw and Dakota, what a pairing up there. And they got some really good feeds, yeah. You know, Zilki was smooth through the middle and um and then I guess even more disappointing, you get the likes of Sam Burgo, who's generally a very smart footballer. She just couldn't get the read on her opponent. So, um
3: they just she around be She was get a Conway, Kiwi. It's hard to get yeah. get the read on a you know, <laughs> on a young star.
0: Well, <laughs> true, but she yeah, but she should know so. If she's played with her and um probably at some point coached her, so um Yeah, tough day, tough day for the Suns.
3: Yeah, Pete, I just want to point out, I think, you know, when you talk about games like that and you have a lot of young players like the Suns do, you then start to miss your senior players. And obviously, you know, Lakey's really pushing these kids, which is so important in in terms of development and and the game up here in, in Queensland. But some of those... More senior players that probably haven't um, been given games in the first couple of rounds maybe would have just settled it because you know it becomes very overwhelming when you're getting beaten by ten goals and your team is just you know you're being dominated all around the field to to know when to settle and when to match up and and when to go and find your player and you know the keyword agree you know the the old coach thing of you know they get two goals on the run you you shut down and you and you you know, you go one-on-one for a couple of minutes just to stop that, you know, that little you know, that little run that they get, that little, uh, you know, when everyone's confident and all of a sudden you feel like you can't stop those teams. And I think some of the young players um, just didn't react to, you know, to how well the lines were going and how quickly they were scoring. So, yeah, there's a balance there and, uh, you know, might be a bit biased on a couple of the senior players around you know, the Suns environment, but it does make a difference to have a good balance for those senior players when things don't go well because they will have that experience to settle your young kids. Excuse
1: me. Dare I I say, in that game, watching that vision, particularly in the final quarter, it's one of the rare occasions where you physically get to see what's happening mentally with the side. And it seemed like for the Gold Coast Suns, it felt like their players had... Concrete shoes—they were just stuck there and they couldn't move because the game had gone well and truly. And on the opposite side, you could see for the Brisbane Lions because hey, we're ahead and we're doing it easy. It seemed like everyone could run and run and run for days.
3: Yeah, it's like the little red bull. You know, we've got wings, so that's what I mean. You've got to shut that down early. And 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 as I said, some inexperienced players, um, you know, they don't they don't understand that. Whereas your experienced players have probably been. Through situations a little bit more like this, and many of our players, you know, in the AFLW, come from the top clubs. So they 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 come from clubs at state league level or community level that are very very successful. So when this happens and and they really get under the pump, it's something that they haven't experienced before. So that you know that tends to be a bit of that sort of stuff. But as I said, they'll bounce back. You know, like he's positive. He's a positive fella. He he won't you know he won't burn them all. He'll make sure that they're up and about and. They'll go through everything and 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 you know find ways to improve. But yeah, certainly a, a very uh, a very honest lesson um, in uh, in experience versus inexperience.
1: So to the GWS Giants versus Adelaide Crows, it was uh, the Crows victorious in the end by forty seven points. Coach Kiwi, you know the GWS Giants very well, particularly with the coat hanger radio show that you do, which is also available as a podcast. I don't want to you know, downplay the, the effort that, that the Adelaide Crows put in, but as things catching up with the GWS Giants after being on the road to Albury, then living in Adelaide, and then, of course, the craziness of last week where not only have they just lost to Fremantle, they're on a plane coming back to Adelaide and told, no, you've got to quarantine for 14 days, and then virtually during the night they're all getting phone calls of, well, actually, no, you're on the first flight out in the morning to get to Sydney and you get home to Sydney, then you're in lockdown for five days in Sydney and then told, oh, by the way, you've got a game on Sunday. Yeah,
0: look, you could look at it that way or I would look at that and think that was just an excuse because, you know, the reality is they got to fly home and be in their own beds and they haven't been on those beds for about seven weeks. So um, they had the days off. They didn't have the big team sessions down at the club. So I think they had plenty of time after the first couple of days to recover from that and get back to, um, you know, some better sleep patterns and probably they did some um, Zoom sessions or, you know, team kind of meeting online stuff. But um, I just You're think... you a hard woman, been...
3: Kiwi. Very hard woman.
0: <laughs> no, there's no crying in football. Uh, I, I just think... I think they should have gone fresh into the game um, is, is kind of probably how, how I look at that the most. But, you know, you look, at, you look at that, right, and you can say there's excuses, they've been on a plane, they've been away from home, blah, blah, blah. One of their best performers was Cora Staunton. She's 39 years old. And if you young'uns cannot run and put your heart into footy like her, then give up your spot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how hard is Hayway that? is
3: up and about.
0: I just look. I'm passionate. I want the Giants to get a win, and I'm really disappointed. And I just think Elise Parker through the midfield was outstanding, but I'm sorry. Some of those other players, you know, Alicia Eva, Jess Del they they just fell off tackles. They just didn't look like they had their regular um, Red Bull before the game. Um, they just they just looked a half pace behind their normal standards because they are they very skillful and very quick players. Um, but just, yeah, just caught on the hop. Um, the new player, Erin Todd, she, she when she's deep deep in the back line, reads the play well and has some great height and great hands. But every now and then, her opponent took her up the field and she really got exploited for lack of pace and couldn't get back. And I think yeah, that's something that... Um, Giants need to really address through that back line that, you know, you've got to need that speed. Most teams have got some very quick forwards or can bring the ball with a run and carry back, you know, quite quickly. If you're going to have slower forwards like that or teach her how to perhaps hand over to, you know, Nick Barr or just our or whoever's in front so that she can stay back and cover off the zone better. Because she was very good when she did that but just lacked some speed um Previtali at the other end she was she was handy just probably didn't get enough opportunity um, and then the crows what do you say they're just classy throughout that field um, you know all over the park and even even Marinoff to be back against the team that um, probably really hate her right now <laughs> um, you know with the whole incident through the the practice match um, is um, probably I think played on her mind a little bit, you just sort of just saw her hesitate at a couple of contests um, but you know I think I think Chelsea as outstanding as she is as even in the forward line I think the Crows lack her um, possession grabbing and probably that cutting off the ball, those high flying marks she takes across centre half back I want to see it more, I don't care that they want her in the forward line, I want to see Chelsea flying through the air sorry Crows but do it for the spectators. That's that's all I ask for that.
1: Okay, well, yeah, um, she- and
0: it was sad to see Ayliss Con- Con- Considine um, out with a tackle, but um, Tani Evans, she's, you know, she's going to miss a game for it. But I think she's going great guns for a youngster. And a New South Wales youngster. She's from um, way down the south coast, down from Tathra. So um, huge step to come up to this level. And I think she's been going great guns.
1: You talked about Marinoff being hesitant at a few times. I mean, Coach Kiwi, let's let's put you in the shoes of one of the GWS footballers. You're out there. You're in the midfield. There's a few stoppages. You're walking past Ebony Marinoff. Do you start whispering in her ear at time to time, just walking around, just saying the words, bridge Stack, Bridge stack, Bridgestack? Do you do you play the mind games?
0: <laughs> I might. <laughs> I might not say Bridgestack, but I might, you know, do something a little, you know, we're coming to get you. You, you thought you got bread, but we've got a team of ours. Well, I don't know, something. But, you know, oh, definitely I'd bring some cheek to the field. Absolutely.
1: And, of course, you mentioned earlier Cora Staughton, 39 years old and can run for days. I'm 39 years old and all I run for is the bus. Okay, crazy. you look at the game. Uh, the AFL Coaches Association awarded 9 out of 10 votes to Anne Hatchard, 6 out of 10 for Ebony Marinoff, 3 out of 10 for Sarah Allen, Two out of 10 for Danielle Ponto. Why I bring up those names is, of course, everyone talks about the stars that we know, the former co-captain in Aaron Phillips and the current captain in Chelsea Randall. But one thing to remember about the Crows, some of their star footballers, much more in season five, still fairly young in their early to mid-20s and have got a lot of good football left in them. And some of them, dare I say, including Achat, can get even better.
3: Oh, absolutely, Pete. Um, And, yeah, you're exactly right, you know, Ponta with yeah, she's just a little star. Three goals, happy days. Hatchard's really starting to have an effect, like she did a couple of years ago. Obviously a bit, you know, a little bit more quiet last season. Um, you know, the, the the ability for Crows to go coast coast to coast is just an impressive part of their game, a- and they're spread off the fence. So their rebound and the way that they work the ball, even with Chelsea not there. And as I said, you've got to remember Chelsea come off a knee rico and. Um, and so, you know, so, you know, about being able to balance that, particularly in these early games against probably opponents that have, you know, that have finished lower on the ladder, certainly, um, it gives them a bit of opportunity to, to just, you know, make sure. And ultimately, you know, Charles was 30, sorry, Charles, don't want to throw you under the bus and, and Aaron in her mid thirties, you know, th- their leadership is what's teaching these young players, you know, what to, uh, you know how to be, how to lead, how to prepare, how to play the game, how to handle the ups and downs of 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 footy and, you know, being dropped and not being dropped, getting your body right and all these things. So really important click that Adelaide's going and, you know, they're, they're just classy. Now, our, um, now our Kiwi, I've just had two texts in the last five minutes, one from GW saying, stay at Collingwood, don't ever come back here again. Uh, and the other one from the Falcons, going, uh, you know, because you've just bagged out their two superstars, going, yeah, you're banned from the city of Darabin as well. So just, just want to let you know that, just so you know, Hang on. that you're giants now in two travel. Li- Wait,
0: giants need to listen to what I said. I was giving them some helpful advice how to improve. <laughs> and I just bagged out the Falcons. And my, and
3: my, and my, my favourite team kicked two points. So you know, glass half <laughs> well, full, Kiwi. Glass half record, full. You got to find the positive. Yeah. So yeah, and so for me, you know, I thought there was, you know, given, and I understand what Kiwi's saying in terms of, you know, the actual playing of that, but eventually that stuff has to, you know, catch up. And they were so gallant last week and we spoke about the leadership of Alicia Eva and stuff, but the the travel factor and coming home and, you know, even, you know, it's, you know, the women are still emotionally, emotionally connected. And all of a sudden coming home and actually not being part of that bubble may have actually had some effect on that. So, you know, I'm not making excuses and you're exactly right in terms of your game stuff. But, you know, for me, um, you know, I just think that, you know, no one else has had to deal with what they've had to deal with. And it's not about travel. There's an emotional thing around and, again, a, a bit of bias. But they've lost a teammate in some really extreme circumstances and not being able to... Deal with a bit of that, so you know. So I, I still reckon that you know, GWS still, are, you know, they're bust. You can really see they're busting their hole to to be as good as they can can be given the circumstances and the travel. And Crows are elite. You know, they've won two premierships. So, Kiwi, you're just being a bit bloody hard, mate. So back off. Back There's off
0: no to crying GWS in football,
3: Giants. You know, no Come crying on. in football. Hey,
0: I want them to win a game. I want them to win a premiership. And yeah, don't we all?
3: I I get it. I get it. And as I said, you know, what's in my brain about about
1: some of those games?
3: They've got two. Stop being so greedy.
1: (laughs) By the way, for the record, you both.
3: And I I get all the barriers of the Giants in terms of moving to Sydney versus moving to Adelaide and all, you know, traditional footy state, non traditional footy state. But uh, the Crows were sublime and GWS you know, keep fighting girls. I got your back. And um yeah, along with my sons, girls, you know, there's a bit of orange in both those teams. So let's let's, you know, fire it up. Oh so goodness, yeah, don't put the hex up. on
0: the Giants. Mm. They don't need a world record.
3: Oh, you're the kiss of death, sister. <laughs> you just worry about that stuff. <laughs> Seven out of eight. You, you, Seven out
0: of eight. You, you, yeah, got
4: the,
3: of, got the back of female footy, right? yeah, mate. Got you, the back of female footy. Let's you, go. You Come both tip the crows to win. We've got 50 cups yeah, from e- Queensland e- to exactly. Melbourne and everywhere else.
1: <laughs> And you both tipped Fremantle to beat the West Coast Eagles. Graves, you will start with you on this one. When it comes to outdoor sports, Mother Nature is undefeated. <laughs> it bucketed down rain, and it almost helped the West Coast Eagles cause the absolute boil over of the round. Fremantle got out by the skin of their teeth nine points in the end.
3: I know. I was down watching the suns, you know, just get... Capitulated there, and uh, and I was getting texts from Kiwi going, "Oh, how good are you? How good are your tips?" You know, buddy. Um, you know, Eagles are up, and I'm like, I'm going home to watch that game. Just quieting down, you know. So yeah, so listen, <laughs> they were up. I promise you, they. I were mean, up. how's WA going? You know, uh, they have one COVID case, and the whole place has a meltdown. Uh, and then they have these crazy bushfires, and as I said, shout out to all, um. To all those affected by the bushfires, obviously that region is actually the region I used to look after when I was in WA. So shout out to the 6056 postcode mob. Um, you know, I think with it was thinking of it, and I spent most of last week checking in with with people I know. So I'm I'm so pleased that no one I know lost their. Um lost their homes, but as I said, you know, plenty of the people around us and plenty of people we know um, yeah, connected to did. So shout out to, to the Western Australians over there. But to, And then to turn around and have the game, they have a lockdown for five days and then thank goodness for the rain in terms of putting the bushfires out, but wow, was it going to have an impact on the footy game? And, uh, you know, I, I tuned it over and I wasn't sort of paying attention to the weather. I tuned it over and I wasn't sure if, if – uh, you know, if uh, Fox Footy or Channel 7 or I watch it on KO over here um, uh, actually had some filter on. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's not what I was expecting. So, yeah, so the weather really provided a challenge for free. And I think it's a good challenge, you know. Um, you never know what's going to happen in the season. To play in those conditions and get through that was, you know, was uh, really impressive. But, you know, it was so good to watch, uh, you know, the Eagles. They just will to work hard, you know, Kelly Gibson just, you know, busting it. Um, Mick Bowen, just, you know, 18 disposals, just a ripper. I thought, you know, Belinda Smith and the big horse, Taylor Breslin down in defence were, you know, fantastic and really matched up well um, in terms of that. But, you know, ultimately, Turbo, look at that, 23 disposals, 14 of them, 14 tackles. She's just a machine. And, And, again, it was, you know, we talk about some of the other games. The class does rise. You know, the cream rises to the top by the end of these games. And I thought, you know, Eagles will get plenty out of that and they're going to really rattle some cages sort of down that other end of the ladder. But, you know, they will grow because they, they are a very, very young team. I reckon they're prob- probably the youngest team in the competition. But, you know, Frio, uh, you know, I'm on the bandwagon for them to win the premiership. So I, I've got to, you know, keep flying that flag as well. So, you know, they're well-led well, le- well led well drilled and, you know, that game was a bit of an anomaly, so let's uh, and and they'll learn from what they have to do, because obviously uh, you know, the Eagles were well and truly in front, I think they were two points in front at half time, so I'm quite sure Trent Cooper was like, here we go but uh, yeah, so I think you know, both teams will learn heaps out of that game, and, and kudos to the to the Eagles. I'm really pleased they're they're up and about, and and really they get having those first halves. They've just got to put that second half in, and Frio, you know, just keep keep moving along. But how exciting is it going to be <laughs> to see these next few weeks when these, I guess, these top teams start to play one another, um, and then we're really going to see some separation. Um, you know the different separation from, I guess, what they're saying, the mid and the and the bottom half, and when they start to play some of the other teams. So I think it'll even up by round four. I reckon Kiwi and I, well, probably me, might be making some better decisions in my selection. But as they're just flying the flag for female footy, so I, I love it. I love watching every game. Some of them are a bit disappointing. Some of them, one of them this weekend. There's probably four hours in my life I will never get back. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I love it so kudos to everyone and to the afl in particular for just getting seven games up in such a you know in such a quick time with all, everything going on so to nick livingston and her crew up there just you know ripper to just get seven games on so well done everyone really
1: and from just he,
0: oh, he said um, <laughs> <laughs> wait go a on. minute <laughs> <laughs>
1: He... <laughs> Go on, Kiwi. He,
0: he's saying, Graves, you save your petrol money. If you're not going to support us, stay on your side of the bridge, thanks.
3: <laughs> exactly right. Ah, uh, You can laugh. I had, a, I had, a, I had an email from him today, so we're all good to go. But as I said, um, you know, I've got to fly the flag. I've got to fly the flag because you know I love my Gold Coast um, <laughs> players. I love my Lions as well. But, yeah, it is a, it is a tough thing. And it's, yeah, they're a new team, and I want them to, to do too
1: well. And Coach Kiwi, we uh, should point yeah. out it was a magnificent effort for the West Coast Eagles, considering that they had three players go down during the game, even though Paris Laurie finally came back on with that cork leg. Um, they had two go down and with, halfway, uh, yeah, with hand halfway. injuries. <laughs> and, and they don't have, for the remainder of the season, Dana Hooker through a kitchen accident.
0: Oh, you know, like they had three. Only players in female out. football, Pete. <laughs> They had three players ruled out during the week as well, including um, one of my youngsters, Maddie Collier. And then Dana Hooker does that. You know, I think she clearly has proven footballers do not belong in the kitchen. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. Stay out of the
3: kitchen, everyone. Yeah, she plays AFLW after having a baby like, you know, a handful of months earlier and then, yeah, and and gets back after pregnancy, uh, you yeah, after having a baby and then, you know, does something in the kitchen and and she's out for the season. So, as I said, only in female football would there be an injury, a season-ending injury, in the kitchen. (laughs) That's true.
0: Very true. Um, But, look, you know, credit to the Eagles. I thought they put up quite a fight despite that. And um, we used to always have a saying in soccer was that rain is a great leveler. And I think in um, Aussie rules, it's probably – Pretty the same principles, really. That ball becomes slippery, um, skids off the ground, and uh, takes away some of the you know those talented players who have great hands in the air. So um, you know, great game for the small people. And you know, we saw some of the, especially the young Irish get going until they break fingers or was it a dislocated finger? I think is um, what Neve Kelly got, but. Um, you know, they got the early score, which was pleasing for them and certainly give them a bit of confidence. Um, the bench got very, very thin. And at one point, I think Paris looked like she could not even, like she had a broken leg, like she couldn't put any weight on that leg. It was gone, busted, done. And then miraculously, you know, within maybe about three or four minutes, she was back in the ruck. So I want to know what she got and I want some. But, um,
1: <laughs> Just don't take what yeah, Dana no, Hooker's no. got. I've seen it on Instagram, and she's gone on the couch.
0: saw <laughs> <laughs> that Very unflattering. And, um, yeah, feel for her. Probably, she's probably got a little bit of real disappointment in that as well. But, yeah, tough tough injury, tough time to have an injury like that too. And um, tough for her teammates because she's such an important person the team. But you yeah. can't knock Frio. They were great. Um, Roxy Root, gee, I don't know what does she do. Has she got springs in her shoes. Like the jumping height she can get is absolutely incredible for someone who's actually not at all. Um, but yeah, Turbo Kiara Bowers, the middle, gee, what an absolute machine she is. So, um, and she got best on ground with their little award for the for the West Coast Derby, or is it Derby? Derby. I think it's
3: Derby and- over there, but who knows
0: you're a Victorian. What is it down in Victoria?
3: The Darby. Well, yeah, but you've heard Darby. my accent, mate. A Derby my Derby Bogan accent, everything's a Derby or a, t- or a tomato or a tomato or a dance or a dance, you know, so I was always thrown off in WA, so it doesn't matter where I go. The Boganism, you know, continues to – it's. I have my own language and that's how I roll. Sweet. And so the th- West Coast battle
1: then. And for the record, it's a potato cake here in Victoria. Otherwise, you're deported. Let's have a look at the tips for round three. (laughs) We begin with Friday night. Gravesy, (laughs) let's begin. Geelong versus the Western Bulldogs down at Cadenia Park under lights.
3: Oh, the old narrow game, the old narrow ground again. Listen, as I said, Geelong were much improved. But, yeah, the doggies. You know, that I was really impressed with them against Carlton, just their endeavour and their consistency and you know, if they can if they can keep up that that four quarter, you know, really um oh I'm saying that Carlton came back in the second half, so I'll take that back. But um yeah, so if they can if they can keep that up, I think, you know, they're up and about and as I said, Geelong just uh yeah, yeah. it's almost a Phoebe factor. I mean, they've got bookends with you know Meg Mac, you know, just killing it down in defence. But you know, Phoebs can get those goals. Are going to be they're going to be way more consistent and rattle these teams bigger. But I reckon the Dogs by uh, twenty points. Coach Kiwi.
0: Yeah, look, I think the Dogs they're, they're they're going to start their role now. I think they played some really good footy. They um, absorbed some great pressure from Carlton right at the end of the game. Like, the game was there for Carlton to equalise or catch up, get in front, but all they managed were behind. So I reckon the dogs, they know what they've done. They brought, you know, it seemed to me like Berkey's gone and waving his whip going, "Nope, you're gone, 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 and it's going to, that kind of, um, when you drop some really important players, I think it gives the others all a bit of a kick in the pants too. So um, I reckon the dogs just know their position is not secure on the team. They've got to really pull their thumb out and get going, and I reckon that's what we're going to see. They're only just down the road. Geelong's closer than Casey Field. So um, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, Keyway, I'm sorry to the pull cat. Pull your
3: finger out. Where, where are you pulling your thumb out of? <laughs> pull your pull – your, well,
0: I don't use my thumb.
1: <laughs> Kiwi, how much do the dogs buy?
0: Uh, dogs buy 18. Meg Mac will will steal a few, but, yeah, dog baiting.
1: Okay, to our Saturday afternoon game for the Nicole Graves. They both wear a bit of orange cup. GWS Giants versus the Gold Coast Suns at Blacktown International Sports Park. Coach Kiwi, who wins them by how much?
0: Well, as Gravesy pointed out, Giants are listening in, so I'm sure they've taken on board all the advice that I have given them. (laughs) Uh, They're at home. They get a crowd this week. I think it's going to be a bit of an emotional match. I think it's going to be something a little bit special at home. Um, it's, again, way out of Blacktown Park. But um, in front of their fans, I think the Giants are going, going to make use of Privitelli. is going to run them up. Elise Park is going to stop Suns midfield getting the ball. And um, Giants are going to win by seven.
3: Bra- Ooh, crazy. Don't worry about that, Keeway. There's going to be a rocket up the... Uh, up the Sunshine, well, <laughs> Sunshine Coast, that sounds really <laughs> awful, And the old Suns, and I've got the Suns, Yeah, stuff you, Kiwi, I've got the Suns by 18 points.
1: So, Whoa. please. <laughs> please.
0: Hey, they haven't getting... scored that many goals at this field.
3: Oh, back oh. off. I tell you what, if you weren't, <laughs> you know, 3,000 kilometres away, you'd be in trouble, woman. (laughs) Let's go. Saturday Twilight. Um, It's
1: it's the Saints versus Carlton being played at Morabin. Gravesy, who wins this Twilight encounter?
3: Well, Pete, he whiz. um, I keep saying that. These games are tough. These games are all tough because, yeah, I'm not sure if all the, yeah, some of the top, you know, blues are not. Playing their best footy, um, and I do love what Pete's doing down at the Saints. But I think it's uh, it's time for the Blues to win a footy game. And if they don't, I was having some yarns with a Carlton cheer squad on the old Messenger today, and we were having a yarn about uh, about they've got to uh, got to win one. They've got to win this one. So I'm back in the Blues. Uh, I'm back in the Blues by uh, eight points. Coach Kiwi. Eight points. <laughs> I've got my, you know, I'm, I'm looking up to the sky at the moment. But, yep, eight points. Go Baggers. Go Baggers.
0: Uh, you know, I have to say some of the marks that Taylor took last week were just incredible. And as we all know, she, she can take some incredible marks. And Darcy playing up the field, feeding that ball in, she's such a smart footballer. I don't know if St Kilda have got the defence to stop Taylor. Um, is probably the key to that, and the only—I guess—the only benefit for St Kilda. I'm sorry, Taylor Harris, but she just her set shots are just off, just completely off. Um, so if she does mark it, you know she probably may not put an impression on the scoreboard. But I think St Kilda—they're at home, they know how to win at home. They're going to get the kick in the pants from Peter Seal because I'm certain she's not going to let them play like they did last week. Was that just? disappointing efficiency. So um, I'm going to go St. Kilda by three points.
1: A spicy game indeed down at Moorabbin. Saturday Night Football at Casey Fields. But if you read the tweets online from Melissa Hickey and retweeted by Beck Goddard, they're saying, why can't we play it at Marvel Stadium? It's the Demons versus the Kangaroos, Coach Kiwi. Oh, look,
0: I'm with them. Why not? Like, this is going to be a ripping game. And there's lots of Darabin players for the Ds. There's lots of muggins oh, in drink, North. So drink. there's huge rivalry going on. Huge rivalry. i just have another sip. One second. <laughs> Great. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think North have just got the firepower throughout. And I think that transition football that they play is um, going to be important to them. And even if it's windy, which is quite often or probably always, down at Casey, I think North are going to go alright, and they've been down there before, and they've won a really close game. I'm pretty sure it was two points that they won it by. Um, so I'm going to, I'm actually going to back
3: North by twelve.
1: Gravesy, well,
3: I'm going against Kiwi because I just feel like that tonight. I'm, I haven't been happy with her comments at all. Um, so I'm going. Listen, I've been really impressed, and it, it is. It's kind of like. You know the superstar team with well, when I say the superstar team, you know they've just got such ripping players. As Kiwis pointed out, but um, I really like the way that <laughs> I really like the. You know, I really like the way that Melbourne. Back off, Kiwi. I really like the way that Melbourne has has come into the season, and they really, you know, they're really working the ball nicely. And and I you, know, I, you know, I think it's their time. It's it's a little bit their time. So as I said, I thought it might take them a little while to get in. Um, so, I'm backing, I'm backing, I'm backing the Moulet by seven points. Oh, that's Melbourne as well.
1: De- and Demons Machine. to win by seven points. Worth noting that last year they met at Casey Fields in round one during a day game and Melbourne beat North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. Keep that little back, that one in your back pocket. Sunday football, just to prove that the AFL are not manipulating the draw at all, uh, we have at Norwood Oval the Adelaide Crows versus the Fremantle Dockers. Gravesy. Oh,
3: I'm so excited. I'd love to see a Juddie v. Randall, um, you know, uh, fired out there. Not fired, I mean, on the field, uh, as in battle, I should use my words better. Um, so, yeah, so listen, I think, wow, this is going to just, uh, you know, th- this week's rounds are really those rounds that we've, well, I guess we spoke about earlier in terms of where teams are really going to be at and, and what's really going to make a difference. So, so, those top teams that have Possibly had some of the easier teams. I said some of the more um, not as experienced teams are really coming up against some of the rippers. So wow, could be. It's almost like my Kiwi Grand, yeah, you know, Kiwi Gravy Grand Final, isn't it? Um, this one. So uh, where are we playing, Pete?
1: At Norwood anyway. Oval.
3: Yeah. So no, I'm doing it. I'm sticking with. I'm stick. <laughs> it's. Uh, I'm sticking with my Frio girls. Um, although, as I said, it's always hard to, um, to go against Chelsea and my posse, you know, my Swan District's posse from that one. So Chelsea I apologise in advance, but I'm sticking with 3 um, although that heavy, those heavy legs may make a difference. And, you know, in theory, I guess, you know, the Crows have had 14 days off. They've had 14 days of rest, um, where the, uh, Where the Dockers have only had five days rest, if we talk about you know COVID seasons. So yeah, so I'm, but I'm going to back. I'm going to back. Actually, I'm not, Pete. I'm back in the draw. Can I do that?
1: That is a no.
3: Be cool. Let me do it, mate. I wrote that was double points. I reckon that gives me plus five. Um, (laughs) Yeah, just get in front of Kiwi. Okay, I'm back in the Dockers by three
1: points. Cage Kiwi.
3: Yeah, look,
0: I think this is absolutely a grand final preview. But when you look at these matchups this week, does it make you start to think the AFL's manipulated these rounds to sort out the ladder in case the season has to stop abruptly and then there's no whinging about, oh, they haven't played through, they haven't played her?
3: <laughs> Conspiracy that's, theory.
0: As soon as I saw the matchup, that's what I thought. Um, so yeah, definitely this here's, here's probably the grand final everyone picked. although the North fans may not agree, um, but yeah, it's in Adelaide. I'm going to um, I'm going to go Crows. I think I think they're playing at home. They're no Norwood Oval. I've scored on that oval. It's it's pretty easy to do. I can send some tips down to them.
3: Um, but I'm <laughs> Come on, to, Kiwi. <laughs> I'm we're not to, we're talking about goals. We're not talking about actually scoring. You know, it's different if we're talking about football. Ladies,
0: please. was last week, right? (laughs) No. Um, I've kicked goals. I've kicked goals on that oval. The grandstand in, um, I remember it clearly. Huge, huge goals. Anyway, and we won the cup. I've got photos I can share with you. It's much like how I feel this week being on top of the podium. But I'm going to go Crows by eight because I think they'll get a goal and a couple of misses (laughs) because some of their goal shooting is, uh, goal kicking is not. Not uh, all that accurate. So
3: there you go. Sorry, sorry, Purple Power. She's very harsh this week. We, we there's something's happened. We, we'll have to have some post some post pod um, discussions. Okay, you're it, very negative, Nancy. It, it's it's Power. I'm really fired there up this week. Yeah, I look at this week. Um, games and go, oh, my God, how exciting is this round going to be? I didn't even think about someone, you know, a conspiracy theory at at the AFL that they manipulated it. I just get excited to watch, you know, the women's game and watch all the little fellas run around and and do what they do. So, you know. Don't don't get me wrong, I'm excited. I'm
0: excited. I'm excited at the matchup. I just think it was very heavily manipulated for a reason. But, you know, that's, that's how it is. But uh, I'm looking forward. I, You know, I'm hoping to go to a few of these games, but I think they're going to be cracking matches without a doubt.
1: And there's still two more games yeah. to go in our tips as we go to Hickey Park on <laughs> Sorry, Sunday babe. afternoon. The Brisbane Lions versus the Collingwood Magpies. I'll start with you, Coach Kiwi. Who wins between Craig Starsevich and Steve Simon's squads?
0: Uh, speaking of scoring on the ground, why is it called Hickey put- No, anyway. Um yeah, this is this is gonna be another ripping match and um and probably we're gonna have uh different tips here. I'm going to go against the home side, I'm afraid. I'm gonna tip my magpies. I think um they've had a they've had a rough week in the media and um, you know, with a lot of people questioning things down at the at the Pie's Nest, and um, I think I think they're going to come out this week, and they're going to come out and fight. It's their first uh, trip away, and um, you know we've got our, our young speedsters back in the team with Sarah Rowe and Joe Lynn. I reckon pies
3: by seven. Gravesy. Well, I'm just going to ensure that, you know, Stas and Brie um, allow me back. Um, you know, I was actually banned from Brisbane for several weeks this season with COVID because of, uh, or last season with COVID because of the border bubble. We weren't allowed past, um, uh, you know, about 20K out of Brisbane. So, yeah, so I'm trying to get back over there. But I think, yeah, as I said, um, I think that the, that the, um, and given the game and, Trust me, Kiwi, after watching that game on the weekend, I reckon that the Lions know the best spot to kick goals from everywhere, both ends, because I reckon they just kick that many of them. I reckon the girls are up and about. I reckon 2K, Wardlaw will have another field day, um, and Stacey Livingston will decide whether she goes Jessie Wardlaw or the young fella, and both of them are going to give her a bath. So I'm going Brisbane Lions by... Fourteen points. Let's go, you little fellas, go save Conway and Long, um, killing it up there for the old girl sorry Loz, but she is still playing some very smart players. She so, she, yeah, she had a about. really good game. She had a great game last week, another Darabin yeah. Falcon out there playing. Oh God, you're harsh, mate. And no, I thought I was I'm the ex president of Darabin. You're just on the bandwagon. But basically I'm just you
1: know I'm just, just helping
0: all the it, so drinkers listening you.
3: in. <laughs> <laughs> Stay hydrated, supporters.
1: And, and if you think <laughs> I do listen to
3: their podcast too, and it's very entertaining, I giggle most of the way home in the car, uh, listening to all the different podcasts around. So well done, girls.
1: And, and by the way, if you think Lauren Ar- Lauren Arnell is older near the end of her career, remember her mum was playing footy in the Masters' rule at age sixty nine. So uh, with those genes, I she might have a few her. more decades I left.
0: Her and we nicknamed her Junior for a very good reason. But she had. She could run. She um, was probably one of the more fitter players in the team. Um, God love her, Brenda. Good on on you. I'm sure she's around and probably still trying to kick a footy somewhere and supporting Loz. Who knows? She might be giving Loz some tips.
1: The final game (laughs) of the round is at Punt Road Oval. Will the Richmond Tigers finally score their first victory in the AFLW? Will the West Coast Eagles score their second ever victory? Tigers and the Eagles. Gravesy, who wins at Punt Road? Oh, it's like the
3: high flyer fanfare, big names versus little grunters. God love them. Um, I think, <laughs> I think, unfortunately, I'd love the back. The Eagles, and I, I, there's a little part of me that reckons they might roll them, but I reckon um, Punt Road, you know, they would have been disappointed to, you know, the way that uh, probably last week transpired, and I think they'll be up and about. KB has a, is going to have a field day, she's going to kick a few, so Sab's up forward. Says Hoskins going to kill it in the midfield. Maddie Branc- Brancanisado is going to kill it. Through the midfield and wing, God love you, little girls. And Akesha's just going to kill everything in the back line for the Tigers. So I'm going, I'm going. The Tigers by twelve.
1: Coach Kiwi.
3: Yeah, this is a really hard one for me, <laughs>
0: only because I picked Tigers to get the wooden spoon. Um, I I, <laughs> I just think yeah, Tigers. They're going. They're at home. They've got some. They've got some good plays. You know. Um, Monahan down the back line, Phoebe. She's she's a pretty solid defender. A cash um, she's got some great run off that back line. If they can link up with that midfield with um, Monconti and send it on to Sabs and um and even Harriet Cordner from the back gee, she, she's playing really well this season. So I think oh, this is a hard one.
3: I Don't really copy. want I really <laughs> want the Eagles to win. <laughs> I really want to go the Eagles. I know there's a bit of part of me for both if we oh. not want the nil all draw. Is it yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think I think the Tigers may get this one. I think I think they're gonna get it by two points.
1: So the Tigers in a close one. You both agree on two games there is five games up for grabs as we sit after round two. Kiwi has eleven out of fourteen. Gravesy has nine out of fourteen, but they could all easily change this round. Coach Kiwi in the Congress Graves. Thanks that, that, very much that, for that, your that. company, and we look forward to it again next week for another coach versus coach.
0: Big sound from
1: this side. Get of town. Don't go anywhere. Still to come, we've got Jack Hooper from the sheplays.com.au AFLW Fantasy League and captain of the Darwin Barfets and the NTFL Women's Competition, Dominic Carbone. That's all on the way right here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at ALNF.org.
2: She Plays AFLW Fantasy Football Podcast.
1: And it's time again to take a look at the sheplays.com.au AFLW Fantasy League. It's the fantasy game that everyone is talking about, particularly since there's limited options when it comes to AFLW. It's crazy, isn't it? But they are the experts at sheplays.com.au. And it's great to have on the line from the website and from Supercoach Talk in Jack Hooper. Jack, how are you? I'm very well, Peter. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. Have you got any grey hairs from the last couple of days heading into round two when the fixture was constantly evolving?
4: (laughs) I think I'm still all right, but if it goes like that again, things might change. (laughs)
1: Oh, it was an absolutely crazy week, not only for the uh, fixtured games being done at the last moment, Collingwood would end up playing Geelong for an example, and it end up being a Queensland derby and the Crows and the Giants was on and then the Dockers and the Eagles was back on again, but some absolute bolters in the voting. And I want to start off by asking you the red hot question. Who was the top scorer? Which AFLW player brought in the most fantasy points for round number two?
4: That was Elise Parker from GWS. She scored 246 points on the weekend, and that's following up at 206 in round one. So that looks like that might be her level, the kind of level this year, which for $50,000 is very good.
1: That is excellent value because she's behind what we'd say the top tier midfielders that are worth about 60 and 55K, respectively. And let's just talk about two examples of 60 and 55K in the midfield to show the value for money that you're getting. Now, if you were willing to spend $10,000 more, you would have actually scored 18 points less. And that was Kiara Bowers, my captain, uh, for the Fremantle Dockers, uh, 228 points from her, which was an improvement on round one.
4: It was, yeah. I think I think Kiara Bowers should probably keep scoring more like she did last weekend, rather than round one. Although we obviously have to wait and see, but the last couple of years she's averaged around that two hundred mark, so she'll probably do so again. But it looks like Elise Parker is going to join her in that kind of in that kind of company, and she's she's someone who's kind of flown under the radar a bit, uh, playing up at GWF. Uh, she looks to be playing a bit of a lone hand in the midfield. There, she's certainly not the only one. Um, she's got some teammates. Uh, what's her name?
1: Sorry, you're thinking, Alicia Eva.
4: Uh, I, was, I was. I was thinking what the the Rebecca Beeson as well.
1: Oh, of course, who's
4: also who's also been doing very well. But of the Giants' mids, it's certainly Parker who's standing out. And so I guess. She's got the kind of scoring that comes from both being a very good player, which which she is, and also being kind of the main uh, ball winner for teams. So that's that's what's leading to those big numbers.
1: If you are looking for consistency, and ironically halfway price between Kiara Bowers and Elise Parker for 55k, you can end up with Ali Blackburn.
4: Yeah, yeah. She's been great this season. Um, I think both weeks she's managed to hit the scoreboard. So if if she can keep that up, then I see no reason she can't keep this kind of scoring up. Although if she doesn't kick goals, that may, her scoring may drop down towards maybe sort of the 150 mark, which is still very good. But maybe a touch below what she's done in the first two weeks.
1: Uh, the last couple of rounds, two oh two and two ten in uh, fantasy points. And when it comes to the AFL Coaches Association awards, we should point out that she scored ten out of ten Ally Blackburn for that game against Carlton. Interesting to know how did Bree Davy go in the fantasy points? She also got ten out of ten from the coaches in the Collingwood versus Geelong game.
4: She got 199 on the weekend, so similar kind of, a similar kind of
1: score. And That's not bad for uh, $55,000, but how's this for value? Tell me about Ruby Schleischer because she got eight out of the possible uh, 10 Coaches Association awards for her game against uh, Geelong. Everyone's going to be drooling once you tell me her score and her price.
4: That was 198
1: points for t- just $20,000. <laughs> Unbelievable. 20,000 big ones. So if you're looking to put someone in your defense, and everyone keeps wondering how do they go with the defense, do they go for those who go for 1% as, or those who go as a running back? Slicer for 20K, which is almost near the bottom when it comes to dollars terms. Anyone that got a, hit a home run this week?
4: They sure did. Uh, if you could give me one second, I can probably look at what where she got her points from this week compared to last week. See, yeah, yeah, because uh, it was a big got, ju- yeah, it was a big jump a big in jump, points. Yeah.
1: yeah, it went from sixty nine to one hundred and ninety eight. So for those that kept the faith with Ruby Slicer in the team, they got rewarded handsomely.
4: It looks like in round one she got her points from pressure slash defense. So that's kind of intercepts, tackles, um, one percenters. And from ball movement, so presumably winning the ball in the back line and then moving it it off that back line. Whereas in round two, it was um, a bit more of a balanced score. She got 86 of her points came from ball movement. Uh, So that's things like meters gained, uh, weighted by their disposal efficiency, as well as things like the ball inside 50 or things like that. So that's where she's got 86 of her points. She's still got a lot of the points from that same pressure slash defense, um, section of the scoring system that she did the previous week, but she's also gone and had some impact on the scoreboard. So 27 points. So that, that can be anything from that can be things like kicking goals. It can also be helping to set goals up, whether that's by, uh, direct goal assist or just being in the, in the chain of possession that leads to a score or a score involvement. And she also won a bit of contested ball, which got another 36 points. So all of that added up to 198, which is a big jump on the previous week.
1: As you alluded to earlier with Elise Parker, some may have the idea of maybe I should pick a a gun midfielder from a team at the lower end of the table, expecting them to get a lot of the ball, virtually having to carry the load for their team and hoping that turns into fantasy points. Now, if we look at Monique Conti, she's got seven out of 10 coaches votes in the Melbourne versus Richmond clash, which the Tigers lost to the Ds. Now, even though she got seven out of 10 coaches votes, how did that actually translate into fantasy points?
4: That translated into 126 points. Uh, she's She's got a lot of points. she got 69 points for contested ball and 48 points for pressure and defense, but only 18 for ball movement and just a three for scoreboard impact. Well- so that's probably what's held her score down there.
1: Yeah, for those that are paying for a $55,000, I suggest anyone who's got Monconti in their side might be thinking, if this isn't going to improve, it might be time to move her along.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'll just look at what she scored the previous week, because I don't know off the top of my head, but uh, you're 98, so you'd want more than that
1: Uh, for that kind of price, yeah. Okay, let's take a look at the game between uh, North Melbourne and St Kilda. A fantastic contest. Even though St Kilda only kicked one goal on the scoreboard, I think one four they ended up with in the end, they only got done by about four goals and it was a great seesawing physical contest. And three players got eight votes each amongst the coaches' awards out of a possible 10. And they were Emma Carney, and Jasmine Garner from North Melbourne, and Georgia Patrikios, the standout from St Kilda. Out of those three, who scored the most points?
4: Okay, Jasmine Garner got
1: 209 points. For $60,000. So it's a little dip on last week from 215 to 209, but you can say consistent. Um, I see Carney went up from 138 to 160, uh, for five thousand dollars less uh, in price than uh, Jasmine Garner, um, and if anyone goes looking for um, Patrikios, uh one hundred and twelve points. So she actually went down in fantasy points by forty-four.
4: Yeah, yeah, she, she. That might surprise people because I think she got something like twenty-seven disposals, which if people are used to other scoring systems, might might maybe might make people automatically assume equals a big score. But um, the scoring system we're using doesn't hand out points for disposals per se. It hands out points for things like meters gained rather than just kicks or handballs. So she got 57 points for ball movement, 44 for pressure and defense, 35 for contested balls, zero for scoreboard impact. Uh, so that's probably what's, what's held his, her score down there. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to get to rack up score involvement when your team isn't scoring. Um, but, yeah, if, if you're looking for the kind of thing that seems to have held her score back, I'd say it's probably that.
1: I want to ask, is this the biggest swing ever and fantasy points, at least for the short time in She Plays AFLW. And when I say swing in points, this cannot be from a player who did not play the previous week or, for example, scored zero points and then got injured uh, during the game. So that really technically counts as a did not play and then scored points the next week. Jesse Wardlaw, the ruck for the Brisbane Lions, worth 35,000, scored eight in round one, scored 174 this past week.
4: She did, she did. I think a lot of that was uh, five marks inside 50 and four goals. So that'll bump your score right up. Um, I don't know if it's going to be that high every week, but it's certainly an improvement on, on the previous week, yeah.
1: And uh, likewise, uh, Dakota Davidson, who only scored one vote from the AFL uh, Coaches Association Award, which I was very surprised by, uh, she's only worth $25,000. For those that are looking for a bargain basement forward, they'll be pleased with that investment. Uh, she doubled in points. She went from 71 to 148 off the back of those uh, four goals.
4: Yeah, yeah. So I guess if, if people are listening, goals are important. You know, they, they really do add to your score. So. Players who can who kick lots of goals will score well.
1: Exactly, and, th- and this points the difference again where we said uh, that high score of nearly hitting two fifty for um, Elise Parker, who scored seven um, uh, votes in the AFL Coaches Association. She was beaten in though in, in that uh, round by Ann Hatchard, who scored nine votes out of that game. But again, Ann Hatchard for sixty grand only is worth 112 points for this week. She's consistent. She was 114 the previous week. So in, in this game, Anne Hatchard, despite being a good footballer, looks like she could be a chance when it comes to the uh, W Award medal and, and obviously with the coaches or Players Association Awards, it's not really translating into those fantasy points.
4: Yeah, no, it's, it's a funny one. I think, I think she did a lot better last year. Uh, having like, likes Erin Phillips go back into the midfield will probably take points off her. Um, looking at her numbers, she's got a reasonably even spread uh, between contested ball, ball movement, pressure, scoreboard impact. So it's, it's not like there seems to be any one real deficiency. Um, it may just be that she's been bumped down the pecking order in terms of where... You know, maybe where who's getting those clearances? Um, who's setting up chains from uh, stoppages? Um, so all the stats she was, may have been getting last year are probably now going to players. Not all the sorry, start bigger. Not not all the players. Sorry, not all the points. by any means are now going to say, Aaron Phillips, but she certainly would be siphoning. I think some of them off.
1: I just want to focus on two last players. Uh, they were the uh, NAB uh, Rising Star Award nominees for this week. Uh, first of all, we had from the Demons, uh, Tyler Hanks. And from the Western Bulldogs, we had Jess Fitzgerald.
4: Looking at Tyler Hanks, she's done well across the board except scoreboard impact where she's only got 12 points. So there's probably scope for improvement there. Um Bulk of Jessica Fitzgerald's points came, not not the bulk, but more than half came from ball movements, uh, pretty even for the rest of of the stats. So as long as she keeps, as long as she keeps getting the ball and using it well, uh, she should keep scoring points. And she's been, was she like 25, 30 grand? So she's been very, very, been a very good pickup for anyone who's picked her. Um, But I don't, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I'd, if you could really split them based on, based on the fantasy points. I think they were both, both very good on the weekend.
1: Okay, we're starting to uh, look ahead for round uh, three. The uh, matches have uh, been announced on uh, Monday afternoon. For those that might be more worried about how the matchup affects what players they've got in their side, for you personally, Jack, as uh, you sit down, it's early days as you start to consider making a little adjustments to your side. Who are some of the names that are jumping off the board at you that you may think that you may consider uh, putting into your side when you look at making the two tweaks that you can make without being penalised any points? And as we know. So if you make more than that, two, then you're charged a hundred points per additional trade.
4: Yeah, one name that's jumping off the page at me is Courtney Hodder from the Brisbane Lions. Uh, fifteen thousand. She's got one hundred and ten in round one and one hundred and seven in round two. So that looks like it's going to be a pretty consistent kind of scoreline. And for fifteen thousand dollars, you really can't go wrong with that. So she, I think she'll at least she'll certainly come in and probably fill fill my midfield bench spot rather than going on the field, but you never know. I might I might find some savings in there and sprint, spend the money elsewhere. Um, I don't not quite I think it, is her last name for Cuthbertson? i not Janelle Cuthbertson, I'm not quite sure how you'd how you pronounce her surname, but she's uh, listed as a forward. I think she I'm not sure if she's I think she might have been playing midfield in round one, but she I'm not sure where she played in round two, but she, her scoring dropped from 187 in round one to 56 in round two. So probably not um, what anyone was looking for if they brought her in the back of that. But, you know, the the West Coast Fremantle match was a bit of a weird one. I mean, anyone who saw it could see it was in sort of torrential rain. So it's, it's kind of a. It wasn't really a normal football game, so it's it's a bit hard to judge someone's score. I think based just on that, but um, I'm really not sure who else I'm going to bring in yet. Uh, I think there are a lot of players that I look look at that are potentially very good value. I think I just I think I need to go to my team and look at where where the weak spots are or where where I'm. Maybe spending more money than I need to before I start thinking about exact particular players to bring in.
1: Well, let me pose this player to you. I believe this will be my value pick of the week. Now, she went up in points from 55 in round one to 107 in round two. And the reason why, because it was a bit to and fro in the game in torrential conditions out there in Fremantle between the Dockers and the Eagles. Now, the Dockers will play Adelaide this weekend. It's bound to be a cracking game of end-to-end football. And we know in the past, unlike when Fremantle have had their way over their opponents, They're not going to find it so easy against the Adelaide Crows on the road. And considering Tia Haynes is a defender at just $15,000, there is thought that she's going to see plenty of action down there in defence, particularly with the likes of uh, Randall and Phillips uh, creating havoc there for the Crows. Um, I've got a feeling she'll be 100 points plus and worthy of a 15 grand investment.
4: She could very well be.
1: Well, Jack, thank you very much for joining us here as always as we take a look at the sheplays.com.au AFLW Fantasy League. We look forward to your company next week as we try and find the players some value for when they play the game at sheplays.com.au.
4: No, no, great to be with you.
3: NTFL Women's Footy Report.
1: And joining us on the line now is the captain of the Darwin Buffett and the NTFL Women's Premier League. They're currently sitting second on the table and looking forward to another finals campaign. It's great to have on the line Dominic Carbone. Dominic, how are you?
0: I'm good, Peter. How are you?
1: Not too bad at all. You must be very happy with the side's performance uh, over the weekend. You're coming up to a fairly tough draw as you head into the finals. You took care of Wanderers over the weekend, 15-10, 100-2, 12-24.
5: Yeah, we had a great game on the weekend. Um, I think it was really good. It was perfect timing to just uh, become full strength in the season. I think we've just really found our stride, and um, hopefully we can carry that on to a big, big game this weekend against Lyon.
1: Uh, For you on the weekend, uh, who did you felt uh, performed well and started to really hit their straps as we're coming into this important phase of the season?
5: Um, well, we had Asante Bush kick seven goals for us um, in the fall line, which was just amazing, and. I felt like our whole backline with Yankee Stokes and Nicole Smith, and everyone just really came together, like holding them out, uh, obviously, like keeping them from very low score, um, which is what we need that uh, strong defensive pressure and also that uh, ability to convert when we have the chance to the type of this
1: yeah, fantastic effort there by Ashanti Bush, 11 games for you uh, so far, and that 7 if I'm right, I think takes it to about 19 on the uh, goal kickers list for this year, and the good thing is, um, throughout your list, the, the goal kickers have been fairly even spread, particularly when you throw in the likes there of Zoe Anderson, who's kicked 16 for the year, and even Macalia Roberts, who's chipped in with 11.
5: Yeah, our forward line has been a little bit uh, different throughout the season. We've been able to uh, utilise different players in different positions and I think that really shows, I think, uh, that we are a team, that we are a real team that utilises every player. It's not really just individual efforts. Um, like on the weekend, for example, McKaylee Robertson, and Melinda Taylor were just uh, – really generous and, and instead of giving up a, a good kick at goal for a great one and I think Ashanti was in a really good position and I think we just, um, I think we might have five or six goals scorers on the weekends and that just really showed like our ability to use our whole team.
1: And we talk about the likes of yourself and Mikali Roberts, who we were talking about earlier, who was an AFLW-listed player, although she didn't get to play a game uh, for Collingwood. Uh, Mikali and yourself, obviously, experience with the NT Thunder that played a couple of seasons in the VFLW competition. How important was that for your development, being able to get some of those games in that higher standard competition, bringing that, even though it's a different style of football, but still bringing that into the NTFLW? Oh, um, it was amazing um, to have great leaders.
5: The whole Northern territory in there. Um, I had really good role models to look up to and teach me good work ethics um, ethic, and just learn a lot of skills being around eight uh, holes and players from the Crows. Um, yeah, it was a really great experience and I, I, I owe a lot to it throughout my development
1: um, in football. Let's talk about some of your better players also through the season. Now, I hope I get a, a surname correct uh, Gemma Yacano.
5: Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't
1: know, yeah. Oh. So how's Gemma's season been so far? Named in the best by, mind you, six times out of the 14 matches she's played.
5: Yeah, Gemma's been great for us this season, coming off the half-back, um, just really pushing the ball forward and being really a, uh, an attacking defender. Um, and yeah, she's been great for us, and I think that's been something that has pushed us, been a great leader throughout that. Um, the season and helping our younger little box come through and feel comfortable on the field. Like, yes, yeah, it's just great position
1: for everything. Along with yourself and McKinney and uh, some other players that have been named in the best four times include uh, Caitlin Hazlitt and also Kiara kernoff Yeah, K- Caitlin and
5: Kiara Kira, are actually, some of our younger um that are just absolutely just for up the season. Um, despite their age and experience, they've just really just been so composed and been able to just give it their all, especially against the women. Um, but yeah, they've been so great for us. Just the confidence that they have um, really inspires the whole team to list as well. So when you see these younger buff girls having great games um, and showing like your left effort and stuff like that, it really inspires the rest of us to keep going.
1: Talking about that younger talent, of course, yourself. you played um, as part of the Central Allies team representing the Northern Territory at the Under-18s Championships back in 2019. Uh, that same year, you are also named as the Under-18s Women's Players' Player Award winner. Um, just even looking back at the girls that are, are literally just two or three years behind you, how are you rating their standard as they're coming through the ranks? Yeah, it's
5: obviously, I think um, their standard is actually lifting like, a lot of the the tournament of the Women's Premier League, um, like these, that are getting girls that have like been playing football for maybe like six or seven years now, since they were like younger, maybe ten or so. Like they've played, they've had a lot more experience than say the women that just started playing at the age of twenty or nineteen. Um, and I think that those girls that are coming through are showing great skills and um, are just uh, actually lifting the ability of the comps and like raising the standard. I think be able to look at this season and the NFL season, it was, just, it was a really good standard um, of football and I think that our competitions was rising as we go and I think that cuts um, off the development managers in each club and
1: everything so it's been a really competitive season. And talking about the, the, the rising standard, the standard's going to rise for you just this weekend alone. You've got the big game, it's a standalone game, 7.35pm at two hours Stadium, under lights, Second versus first, you were playing host to Pint. Um, talk about a heck of a warm-up as you're literally two weeks out from finals.
5: Yeah, I think this is going to be a great test for us um, uh, and our whole team. Um, obviously, like we have a lot of respect for the Pint team and how they've been playing. Like like to see how far they've improved over the seasons and for them to just hold our undefeated first spot um really good for them, but I think... Um, every time we come up against them, it's always a really close game. I think we went down about two points against the last time we played. So I think um, all of our girls are just preparing for a really good, physical, high field game um, that's hopefully going to be a close one.
1: And then obviously in the uh, final round, you play uh, the reigning premiers, the Southern District's Crocs, who are looking forward to some finals action as well. So it doesn't let up from this point onwards. And I'm interested to note from from your coach's point of view as he talked to the group, um, did he have this uh, part of the year circled at all, saying, I guess, in a way of either ramping up training or ramping up the pressure within the group to say, OK, really, the finals campaign, it begins now. Yeah, I think think
5: that's definitely right. obviously coming off in Wonder it's given us it's given us a good boost, but we have some really big games being districts and uh Pint, they are really good teams that have shown that they are here to play and can definitely compete. So um, yeah, it's like basically that is very true what you said. Like our final series has started now and even a couple of weeks earlier. Um, but yeah, so we just our biggest goal is to get them all of our Squad right, and that's where our two players coming through, and um, just to keep circulating everyone and make sure everyone's bodies are right and ready to
1: go for a big couple of weeks. And finally, for yourself, Dominique, before we let you go, obviously right now in the short term, you're focused on these two weeks coming up, and then the finals campaign in the NTFL Women's Premier League. Uh, What is the winter looking like for you? Are you taking the winter off, looking at coming to one of the other states to play a handful of games, or even fact, you're taking part in one of the academy programs?
5: Um, I am currently in the Academy, in Thunder Academy program, um, which has always been this is the program I've been in for a couple of years and it's uh, such a great thing to be in. And um, I am looking to go down south uh, in a couple of weeks, but um, we'll see how that all turns out with everything that's happening. Uh, but my focus at the moment is just get through finals, um, hopefully end up with a premiership flag and, yeah.
1: That's what you're looking forward to, to be able to hold up that Premiership Cup for the Darwin Buffetts. Dominic, thank you very much for joining us and we wish you all the very best, particularly for this weekend. Big game Saturday night, TIO Stadium. Second versus first, your Buffetts taking on Pint.
5: Thank you so much for having me, Peter.
1: So let's quickly recap the results from round 16 of the NTFL Women's Premier League. Nightcliff 12-13, 85, defeated Palmerston, 1-3-9. Goal kickers for Nightcliffe, Gooden with five, Irwin and Taylor Kickett each chipped in with the two. Best on ground, Eliza Morrison, who of course we spoke to on the podcast not all that long ago. Uh, the Palmerston Magpies' their only goal scorer was White Romberg, named as their best on ground. Tracy Village didn't get on the scoreboard as they went down to the Southern District Crocs 18 18 126. Uh, Clark Wilson and Marshall named amongst the best for Tracy Village for Southern Districts 11 goals. To Grace Mulvihill, again, she was a recent guest on our program. Hugenveen uh, Hill scored two goals as well. Uh, Mulvihill was named best on ground. Rhiannon Bush also named amongst the best. Towards the match between Wanderers and Darwin Buffettes, as we talked about earlier, Wanderers 2-12-24 went down to the Darwin Buffett's 15-10-100. By the way, better players there for the Wanderers were uh, Dovin, Vett, uh, Parama and Kulikas. Uh, goal kickers Armstrong and Malboy. And in the last game of round 16, Waratah 2 14 went down to St. Mary's 2-9-21. St. Mary's uh, only led by two points at halftime and it was a bit of a knockdown drag out. They only scored six behinds to one behind in that uh, second half. Uh, Waratah, uh, Masali kicked the two goals for them. Uh, Stevens and Porter kicking the goals for St. Mary's. Anderson, Bryant and Paris named amongst the best for St. Mary's. So looking towards the penultimate round, the second last round of the home and away season. And round 17 kicks off with the beauty at Norbuilt Oval, 12 p.m. on Saturday, Southern Districts versus the Nightcliff Tigers. At 3 p.m. at Kazaley's Arena, it's Palmerston Magpies versus Wanderers. 4 p.m. at Tracy Village, it's Tracy Village Razorbacks versus Waratah. And then the big one, 7.35 p.m. Saturday night at TIO Stadium, Darwin Buffets versus Pint Queen Ants. Second versus first. Going to be a cracker Saturday night. Get down there, TIO Stadium in Darwin for that one. St Mary's having the buy. And that concludes the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's Digital Radio Channel in Melbourne Carnival for yet another week. This podcast is available on all your favourite podcast platforms and at warfradio.com. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just put a slash at the end, and WARF Radio. And don't forget to hear this program first up every Wednesday night, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival, which is Digital Radio in Melbourne. Or if you're outside of Melbourne, you can stream it via the website rsn.net.au or download to your mobile phone the RSN Racing and Sport app, then just select the Carnival channel. It is simple as that. Until next week, I'm Peter Holden and it's bye for now.